Esther chapter 2 and verse 16. So Esther was taken unto King Ahasuerus and to his house royal in the tenth month, which is the month Tevet, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king made a great feast unto all his princes and his servants, even Esther's feast, and he made a release to the provinces and gave gifts according to the state of the king. I want you to notice that all this happened in the 10th month, which is the month Tevet. Now it's spelled like it sounds like it should be T-E-B-E-T-H, Tebeth, but that B is actually a V sound. This is on the Jewish calendar. It is the month Tevet in the seventh year of his reign. I would like to speak this morning on this subject, a December to remember. A December to remember. Would you bow your heads and pray? Lord, we're thankful to be in your house today. Thankful for the opportunity to worship you. We ask you, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds to your word. Change us, Lord, from the inside out. Give us a mind to remember, Lord, what you are doing and how you are posturing and positioning the church for your soon return. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Back in late uh, October, early November, I felt like the Lord uh, put in my heart that this would be a December uh, to remember. I was not sure exactly uh, what that meant, but over the course of the last few weeks, I wanted to learn a little bit more about how this month of December fit into Scripture. We already know that from the Gregorian calendar, which we follow, January, February, March, April, May, so forth, December is the last month of the year, and it is also the month that we celebrate Christmas. I searched what month in the Jewish calendar is the equivalent of the month of December. And that's not always an easy match because the months in the Jewish calendar were not always 30 days. But we do know that the Jewish calendar had months because we see that word in Scripture often. If you read Exodus chapter 13 and verse 3, it says, And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There also shall be no leavened bread eaten. This day came ye out in the month Abib. This month Abib is a month in the Jewish calendar, but it literally means the barley is ready. And it is more closely aligned with the month of April. After the Babylonian captivity, it was called Nisan, N-I-S-A-N. It is the first month in the Jewish calendar. In fact, the month of Nisan is referred to in Esther 3.7. It says, and I quote, in the first month, that is the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast per, that is the lot, before Haman from day to day and from month to month to the twelfth month, that is the month Adar. Suffice it to say that the Jewish calendar has months. And though 
they don't all exactly align with the Gregorian calendar that we follow. Our month of December is most closely aligned with the month of Tevet, the one that we read about in the scripture text. It says that it was the 10th month of the year. That is true of their ecclesiastical year on the Hebrew calendar. The word is most likely of Persian origin, as we see in this case, Esther, of course, written at a time whenever the children of Israel were being held captivity by the media Persian Empire. If we look at the original word in its Persian meaning, it literally means sinking. It was a rainy time of the year. It is a word that is sometimes used to denote the entire winter season for the Hebrews. Rainy, cold, winter, tevet, sinking, a dark time for the Jews. And yet, <laughs> there's always an and yet when you serve the Lord. And yet, it was the month that the Jewish girl, Esther, was brought into the house of the king. Ladies and gentlemen, it does not matter how desperate and despondent your circumstances can become. You have a God, hallelujah, who has still taken and chosen sometimes the most adverse environment to pluck his church out of and to say, you are my queen, you are my bride, you are my church. I am coming for you to take you into the royal house. In the month of December, a month that the Lord told us that we should remember, what stands out in our mind that we should remember? One of the things, and I want to share with you three things this morning, but one of the things that I believe the Lord would have us to remember about this December is the repeated message in tongues and interpretations that we have had in our services during this month and a stirring in our heart that Jesus is preparing to return for his people. Stronger than we have ever felt before, we have been prompted to remember these messages. And we have recounted them to you even over the last few weeks. Message in tongues that have gone forth and the interpretation. And it has been God reminding us that he is coming back for his church. We also went back and gave you an interpretation that was given to us, uh, I believe, from the Lord during our winds conference. Well, last week in this 1045 service, a message in tongues and interpretation was given. And the interpretation was, and I quote, Yea, I say unto you that I am the king of kings. I rule from on high. There is nothing that I cannot do. Look unto me, for I do bring good tidings, and I rule from heaven. There is no authority above me. There is no king above me. There is no one that can oppose me and prevail, because I am the king of kings. Ladies and gentlemen, no matter what you're facing, I want to remind you, as the Lord reminded us, that you are serving the King of kings, and He is greater than anything that you or I are facing in our lives. He is the mighty God in Christ. He is the everlasting Father. He is God robed in flesh that came and was born in a manger. 
And oh yes, he was on this earth for 33 years. He was crucified, buried, and he rose again. And he was on this earth with his followers before he ascended and went back into heaven. But make no mistake about it. Even though he robed himself in flesh, he never lost the position of being the mighty God in Christ. He's still the King of Kings. Heaven is his throne. Earth is his footstool. He sits upon the circle of the earth and there is none beside him and his name is Jesus I said his name is Jesus King Ahasuerus in the text that we read was the king of the media Persian empire the media Persian empire was the most powerful nation they had taken over Babylon Babylon had taken over Israel there were all these nations that came together the then known world that all came up under King Ahasuerus King Ahasuerus was the most powerful man on the planet at that time But even though he was a powerful king, there was one greater than him. I said there was one greater than King Ahasuerus. And King Ahasuerus may not even understood why he was doing what he was doing. But God was given us all the way back there. He was given us a visual aid of what it's going to be like whenever he plucks his church out of the midst of chaos and unrest. He has reminded us in this month of December that he is coming back for his church. And I say to the great folks of East Wind Pentecostal Church, don't forget Jesus is coming. I said, don't forget Jesus is coming. It doesn't matter how bad things may get on this earth. you got a God, hallelujah, that's looking for his bride. He's looking for that bride, hallelujah, that he can take to the royal house. That's why he continued in this message in tongues last week by saying, shout it on the mountaintops. Tell your friends. Go to your neighbors. Because I am coming. They'll not always hear you, but I am coming and I'm giving you time, 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 time to witness five times. He said time. I've given you time, 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 time to witness, but don't wait because I am coming. Hallelujah. I've come to proclaim to you one more time before we leave the month of December. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. I know we live in a time when there's a lot of unrest. I know we live in a time when not just in America but all over the world, nations are trying to grapple with this virus and trying to figure it all out. We have got a whole world that's topsy-turvy. But I've come to remind you that in the midst of Tibet, in the midst of a rainy, desolate, dreary season, you still got a God, hallelujah, that is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the Bible said he's coming back for his bride. That's why he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye shall be also. The symmetry, the parallel between what we are seeing and what happened in Scripture is absolutely amazing. First, the Lord establishes that he is the king, that there is no king like Jesus, and that he has all power. Then he establishes that he's coming for his church. He's coming for his bride to take us to his house, a heaven, a place prepared. But here's what happened in this month from our text. 
Esther chapter 2 and verse 16. So Esther was taken into King Ahasuerus into the royal house royal in the tenth month, which is the month Tibet, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. The second thing that was so obvious to me is that the Lord is saying to the church, I prefer you above all others. Now I know he died for everyone's sins, but ladies and gentlemen, you are not just like anybody else on this planet. You're not just another number. You're not just another human being sucking air on this earth. You are the chosen generation. You are the royal priesthood. He chooses you. Oh, I hope somebody can get this revelation. I said, he chooses you. He's not stuck with you. He chooses you. Oh, you are the apple of his eye. Hallelujah. And God is looking for a people that are looking for him. He has scanned the whole kingdom to find out, is there an Esther that has come to the kingdom for such a time as this to say, I'm going into the royal house. I'm going into that position and that place that God has called me to. That's why when you go down in the name of Jesus Christ and you are baptized in his name, your sins are washed away and you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You take on his name. You got the crown. That's why the Bible said when John got a look into New Jerusalem, he said, I saw the saints. They were throwing their crowns before the throne and they were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Oh, my friend, you are the apple of God's eye. He chooses you. Mm. December, remember the commitment to give. December is when we give gifts. We give in abundance. But watch this. Esther chapter 2 and verse 18. Then the king made a great feast unto all his princes. And his servants, even Esther's feast. And he made a release to the provinces. Do you notice now, there's a lot of things here that it's easy to skate by. First of all, he named the feast Esther's feast. It was in her honor. The marriage supper of the Lamb. It's an honor, hallelujah, of God's bride. And then it says he made a release to the provinces and gave gifts watch this according to the state of the king oh i'm gonna tell you what when the king gives gifts they are in direct proportion to his power his authority and his wealth according to the state of the king And it said that he released, he made a release to the promises. Do you understand that your God is the giver? The Bible said every good gift cometh down from the Father of lights. You know what that means to me? That means that God can give us a release. He can open up the windows of heaven 
you can fight and struggle your whole life. But when you get under the favor of God, and God said, I'm going to bless him, I love him. Oh, I'm coming back for him. He'll open up the windows of heaven. You don't have to struggle. He said, I called you to make you the head and not the tail. He's got great joy. He's got gifts for you. That you can't even measure monetarily. Gifts that are a release from heaven. From the windows of heaven. Gifts that can only come from the king. I got a letter the other day from my good friend Matt Staver who is this Christian lawyer I worked with years ago when I got out of law school. And he uh, is the founder of Liberty Council. And back in March we interviewed him. We were talking about this COVID deal. He warned us then. I even thought maybe he was kind of overreacting at the time. But time has proven that he was right. He said, as much as we want to be safe, we've got to be careful that we don't relinquish our religious liberties. People have fought and died and blood has been shed for us to have the religious freedoms that we have. And we can't all just freely give them up now. So one of the things he started doing right away was, I mean, it was like three days after we had the interview and broadcasted that, that he was defending a, a pastor over on the West Coast and they had uh, arrested him for having church in Hillsborough County and they're getting ready to take him in and the, and the Liberty Council team had, had written uh, up the entire order. They were getting ready to file uh, the suit and within 15 hours of being filed, the governor, Ron DeSantis of Florida, uh, declared that houses of worship were essential activity. And that deserves a hand clap. That's why we've been able to have church. Everything we've done has been self-regulation, but we don't have anybody out there saying, too many people went into that building. We don't have anybody doing that. I'm thankful that we've got government that said, hey, you can have church. I'm thankful for that. And I do believe that churches are essential. I don't know if you saw this recently, but Gallup did a poll recently, and they said the only group whose mental health has benefited from COVID has been people that went to houses of worship. When they, when they, when they surveyed all of the different uh, mental health of all of the people in, in all societies, they said that every one of them, every other group has gone down. The only group that went up during 2020 were people that got together in houses of worship and said great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. How? You don't believe me? You ought to at least believe the science of it when God's people get together and begin to say bless the Lord all my soul. It is a gift to gather together. Woo! Jesus. Matt goes on to say, this order freed Florida churches and uh, obliterated the need for the lawsuit. We were within hours of filing. He said, we've since been flooded with calls and urgent requests, often working until daybreak through weekends. Our team has been doing triage to manage the staggering volume. As you likely know, we are working with over 2,000 pastors in 44 states. We are litigating at lightning speed. We've already been to the U.S. Supreme Court four times this year with just our church cases. And we've had multiple other cases at the Supreme Court this year as well. Said the late night and weekend court order deadlines have been necessitated by the emergency nature of the cases. A few days ago, one court order was issued at 3 a.m. 
Saturday morning in our time zone. Weekend orders from the Court of Appeals or the U.S. Supreme Court have become routine, and this often requires our team to write major briefs in response at all hours of the day and night. But the battle for churches and the right of people to worship is of the utmost importance, and it is an honor, and I'm awed to be able to serve and to be a part of what God is doing in our nation. We are honored and humbled to work with so many pastors who are ready to lay down their lives for God and their flocks. We see firsthand that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. On December 3, we won a huge victory at the Supreme Court for our California church clients, the Harvest Rock Church that your pastor is familiar with. He said we received a victory from the U.S. Supreme Court in that case. And he said, but not every judge and not every radical governor is tone deaf to what is being done. He said it then goes on to say on December the 7th, just two working days after our initial victory at the Supreme Court, Colorado Governor Jared Polis declared that worship activities are now deemed essential. He removed all attendance caps on churches and places houses of worship in essential category. Then on December the 10th, the California State Court judge ruled in favor of a Catholic church against Governor Newsom. That's in California. He said they cited their Harvest Rock Church case. He then went on to say, quoting from the judge's opinion, Fortunately, the United States Supreme Court has very recently issued opinions in the case of Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn versus Como. That's a case that was won in New York about the size of churches not being limited, brought by the Roman Catholic Diocese against the governor of New York. And Harvest Rock Church versus Newsom, that's the governor of California, which provide clear guidelines on these issues. He says, we now have the keys to open jail cells, but in some places we have to go cell by cell to let the captives go free. And so we press on each day of the Lord. As I read that, I realized the two Supreme Court victories have come from California and New York. And then I remember those letters of people watching online and saying, I'm going to give because God has blessed my family through these ministries. I've come to tell you, I don't care what you give. God's going to give more. God's going to give you gifts that you can't measure with your pocketbook. God's going to give you gifts. Your children are going to come home and be saved. Your marriages are going to be restored. You're going to be healed, Frank. In the name of Jesus Christ. Because my God is greater than cancer. And he's greater than COVID. We better remember, we serve the King of Kings. In the name of Jesus. This is a point I want to make sure you get. King Ahasuerus did not just provide for Esther. He celebrated her. The king of kings is not just providing for your needs. He wants to celebrate you. He wants to celebrate the church of the living God. Not just meet your needs, but to lavish you with gifts. That's why I say to this great church... This is no time to get selfish with God. My favorite line from all of the go commitments that came in 
was from a brother in this church that's a dear friend of mine. He said, I want to give my yearly pledge in one offer. And I said, that's awesome. That'll be a great blessing. And then he made this statement, and I love it. And I hope I can keep repeating it. He said, there's no reason to leave all my money to the Antichrist. (laughs) Hey, when that trumpet sounds, you can't take your savings account with you. You can't take your IRA with you. You're just going to leave it to the Antichrist. You might as well get it now. I'll shout all by myself. Come on, we'll shout together. They're worried I'm going to take another offering. We'll shout together. Because God's been too good to me. He's blessed me. He's kept me. And God said, I'll celebrate a people that will celebrate the work of God. Woo! Hallelujah. I got to remember December. I got to remember to be a giver. I got to remember that God is giving gifts. Hmm. I got to hurry. I got a good sermon here. I haven't even got to. Esther 2.9. And the maiden pleased him. And she obtained kindness of him. And he speedily gave her. Her things for purification, which such things that belonged to her, and seven maidens, which were meet to be given her, out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids under the best place of the house of the women. Said that she obtained kindness. What a kind God you serve. He is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on any one of you. You don't want to serve God. God's not going to hold you down and stuff the Holy Ghost in you. But if you just say, Lord, here I am. With all my scars and all my brokenness. Just give him access to your heart. God will come in. He is a polite God. He gave the gift of politeness. He gave the gift of purification. Oh, I wish I could preach a whole sermon on just that one. You don't realize it, but God gives the gift of purification. You got some stuff in your life that you can't wash off with soap. You got some scars and some bruises that have happened because sin is a heavy taskmaster. And you can't get rid of it on your own. But I got a God that will give the gift of purification. And when you come up out of that water in Jesus' name, and you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, He washes you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet, and you're purified. You say, why is that important? Because God's coming back for a bride that is without spot and without reason. Mm, the gift of purity but it doesn't stop there he also gave the gift of preference politeness purity and preference those are gifts that cannot be measured and then finally I feel like this month is significant because God has revealed to us that we do not have to live in fear Esther was a young lady who had lost both of her parents. She was being raised by her uncle, Mordecai. She was scarred. She was wounded. But she was not forgotten. In a season of unrest for the Jews, she stepped up. 
in the month of sinking, a season of cold, a time of helplessness and hopelessness, Esther is not just restored, she is preferred. She is chosen. I don't know what you may have in your past. You may still carry the scars of it right now. But I've come to tell you about a God that can heal the brokenhearted, bind up the wounds, and make you a royal part of a church, hallelujah, that he is coming back for. In this month, a season of pandemic, fear, unrest, uncertainty, the Lord says, remember December. Remember that I'm not a God that's held hostage by your culture. I'm a God, hallelujah, that wants to remind you, I'm coming back for a bride. I said, I'm coming back for a bride. You don't have to have a perfect pedigree. You may have had family members that walked away from you because you came to church. But God said, I'm going to give you a royal family. I'm going to adopt you in. And I'm not going to adopt you in somewhere down way below where you got to be the servant. No, I'm going to adopt you so that you understand you've got position. You've got prestige. You've got authority. You've got the name of Jesus. He put a crown on your head and said, you are a royal generation. Remember, the Lord says that I turn things around. Remember that God is above everything that is on this earth. That he can do the opposite of what is prevalent in our culture. Remember that he can bring joy in the middle of sorrow. He can bring peace in the middle of chaos. He can send abundant love where hate abounds. He can heal in the middle of pain. He can mend the broken in the middle of fractured living. He is coming back. He is bringing gifts. And he chooses you. Would you stand to your feet? In the name of Jesus. Good God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Woo, I wonder right now, would you lift your hands and your voice? Would you receive this word into your spirit right now? In the name of Jesus. Come on, church. Lift up your head. Your redemption draweth nigh. Lift up your head. Your redemption draweth nigh. Woo! I choose to be victorious. the Lord said I want you to remember December it's the season that I come back for my bride it's a season that I choose you come on it's a season of blessing is there anybody in this building you ready to come into your season of blessing now, I don't know if you need a financial miracle or you need a healing in your body or maybe you've never received the greatest gift of all, which is the gift of the Holy Ghost that also comes from Him. Whatever you have need of, I want you to step out of where you're standing right now. Come and stand in this altar area right now. We're going to pray together. And I believe on this last Sunday in December, one more time, the Lord's going to bring His power, His Shekinah glory, and fill this place one more time. And whatever you have need of, come on, why don't you bring it with you right now? 
Come down to this altar. Lift up your hands. If you want to stay in your seat, that's fine. Lift up your hands wherever you're at. But say, come on, I'm coming to get my miracle right now. I'm going to remember that this is the season that God said, I choose you. Oh, yes. Everybody coming together from all over. Here we come. I'm not going to let the enemy put some sort of a price tag on me that says I'm worthless. I've made too many mistakes. I can't ever have a place in God's kingdom. God said, that's a lie. God said, I choose you. I pick you above all the others. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your pedigree is. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. The king says, I prefer you above all others. Come on, lift up your hands right now. Lift up your voice. I want you to declare your victory right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, I declare my sons are coming home. I declare my daughters are coming home. I declare my marriage will be restored. Go ahead, lift up your voice right now and say, God, by the power of your word, I receive it in the name of Jesus. Oh, you